0: To end the Word with Pastor Don Haskins where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. I'm in the book of Jeremiah right now and Reading, Are you reading your Bible? Did you start in the beginning of the uh, year? Are you reading through your Bible? Are you sticking to it? If you're not, this isn't to beat you down or anything like that or make you feel, oh man, I, yeah, I started off so well and on January 3rd, I blew it. I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened. Hey, it happened to me before, you know. And, but hey, there is not another time that is better than the present than you know for you to get into the word and to let the word of god dwell in you richly if you are not in the word and you're discouraged if you're you know depressed and you're not in the word if things are happening in your life and you're struggling in life and you're not in the word you are placing yourself in a, in a in a position of further depression and further despair because you're not allowing the Word of God to just bathe you and encourage you and, and allow you to see that there are others that sympathize with the things that you've gone through. And that's that's a th- cool thing that I see in the Word, is that I see men and women that God has used in the, in the Word that oftentimes have gone through the things that I maybe find myself in the midst of. And... I find that I draw encouragement from that. I've been a pastor of a small church for a long time. I love the book of Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. You just think about Jeremiah. Any of you guys that know anything about the prophet Jeremiah, you'll know this one thing, is that Jeremiah was a young guy. He was a young guy. I'm no longer young, so I can't totally identify with that. I used to be a young guy. used to be the young buck, and now all of a sudden nobody considers me as that anymore. But uh, Jeremiah was a young guy that thought, man, nobody's listening to me because I'm so young. And, you know, that's where the Lord says, hey, don't let anybody despise your youth, you know. I'm the one who formed you in the womb. I mean, we see that on backs of, you know, bumper stickers. You know, a word that God gave to Jeremiah to encourage him even in his youth. But here's the thing about Jeremiah: his whole ministry, uh, his whole life, he lived his life and he wrote an awesome book. You know, he also wrote another book called Lamentations. Is it awesome to write a book on lamentations? You know, they call him the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. He was a, a fellow that wept a lot. And why not? you know we understand that Jeremiah lived his whole life and preached to the to the his his countrymen and, and ministered to them and, and you know talked to them about the Lord, and not one person ever was converted under Jeremiah. Could you do it? Would you do it? you know and this kind of even will take us even into our study today, but here, here's the thing: jeremiah he was a man of faithfulness. He he was faithful regardless of what the outward uh, result was. This is what God's called me to do, and God God continued to prompt Jeremiah to do it. Not to say that he hadn't gotten didn't get discouraged at times, because he did. But here's the thing: he he had a heart and and a, and a a passion to see his people saved. He had a heart and a passion to see his his uh, his countrymen. You know, having a walk with the Lord that was that was right and they weren't interested. They weren't interested. They were too busy doing the things that uh, they did back in that day. And we find ourselves in the midst of that, too. And so we can all kind of identify not just myself, but we can all sometimes identify with the Jeremiah, in that you know maybe you start living your life and you 're or maybe you have been and you 're walking with the Lord strong and you get kind of discouraged because you don 't see anybody else around you in the world wanting anything to do with god and and yet you continue to live your life for the Lord, and it just doesn 't seem like it 's making a difference and you almost want to throw your hands up and goes what 's the use? Why should I ever do any more and yet the lord kind of prompts your heart and he pricks your heart and says hey you know what you're not doing it for them you're doing it for me they're not rejecting you they're rejecting me I always remember that samuel you know remember that's the word that he said to samuel samuel he was like oh man people are not you know god they're they're, they're getting rid of me they want somebody else other than than you know a prophet to lead their 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 country all the Jews they did just they just they hate me. You know, all my countrymen, all my brothers and sisters they hate me. And God says, "Samuel, they're they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They're not casting you off. They're casting me off." You know. So, one thing we have to do in our own life, and I hope that this is an encouragement to somebody, I don't know, maybe I'm saying it to myself, I don't know, but this is something that the Lord's kind of laying on my heart right now and I'm not going to be disobedient and not say it. Here's the thing, maybe you're in here and you're discouraged because you're walking with the Lord and it doesn't seem like anybody else is. You don't stop walking with the Lord because of what what everybody else does. You are living your life for the audience of one. I am living my life for the audience of one. We are living our life, not for the vast people. Now, that's who our calling is to, isn't it? But we go out and we live our lives. And if they respond, praise the Lord. If they don't respond, well, praise the Lord also. Because here's the thing, our heart can be grieved on that. But the thing is, is that we have got to one day stand before our almighty God and give an answer for the reason why we lived the life that we lived. And, and a guy like Jeremiah encourages me. He encourages me because he stayed the course. In a day where when things aren't working one way, everybody tries something else. It doesn't seem like people are responding to the word of God. And so I need to do more in order to make people respond to the word. And I've had you know conversations with pastors you know, that, that will employ certain things even to the point of saying listen the end justifies the means here's what we'll do we're going to do all this very surficial things to get the people in the door and and we'll do surficial things on these nights these these and and we're going to do all this surface stuff and 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 make it all fun and then we'll have one night of the week where we get into the word and I'm going I, I don't know I don't know that Jesus ever employed that that mentality. I, I don't see that Jesus ever employed that that, you know, method to draw people in. I see that he was the same out of the pulpit, in the pulpit, on the street, you know, lying down at night. He's always the same one, the same person. And he, he didn't change his message. Jeremiah didn't have, you know, hey, on Monday through Wednesday, we're going to be, or Sunday through Wednesday, we're going to be really fun. But then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I'm really going to give it to you. You know, he, he didn't employ that. Uh, why I'm talking about Jeremiah, I, I don't know. Every time I hear that the summer is coming to an end. Sorry, kids. School is coming up. And, uh, you know, here, how many of you guys are going back Tomorrow. Okay. All right. All right. When when do you go back, Austin? Next Monday. Tuesday. Next Tuesday. When do you guys go back? Huh? Twenty first. So it's it's coming to an end. You know, Ross. When do you go back? Twenty first. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's the summer is ending. I always think of the Jeremiah eight twenty passage. It it, it says. And, and it's something that hopefully will prick your heart just as much as it does mine. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. That is a, it rocks me to my core when I think, hey, here's the thing, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. It's one of those things that every time of the school year, or every time that summer comes to an end, this is a passage that comes to my head. And, and Kevin kind of just even reminded me of it, um, of, you know that passage as he was saying, "Hey, summer is is in it, and the kids are going back to school come monday it, it, but here's the thing, guys today is the day of harvest today's the day of harvest there's coming a day in fact, I think I have a book over here um, by the name, by, from a guy by the name of mark uh, i can't remember mark's last name right now, Mark Cahill is his name and uh, he has a book that's called uh, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven what is one thing you can't do in heaven huh okay sin that's good what's another thing you can't do in heaven huh be more specific minister well you can minister in heaven because you can minister to each other huh amen you can't evangelize you can't evangelize in heaven. Yeah. Summer has ended. Harvest is past. The summer has ended, and we are not saved. Here's the thing: it, that you know, the picture is is that there's coming a day where the harvest, which we are in, is going to come to an end. The days. Uh, what do we do in summer? Go to the beach, have picnics, barbecues. We enjoy ourselves. We go to Disney. You know, uh, we mow a lot of grass. <laughs> you know but but you know summertime is typically a time of joy right it's typically a time of relaxation it's typically a time of of you know uh, kind of downloading or kind of just you know releasing all of the stress of the school year or what have you uh, kids and, and there's coming a day when you won't have a summer you know your summer is going to be a 2 week summer okay it's a 2 week vacation you know uh, but here's the thing at the end you know you know, when summer comes, wow, you know. Alice Cooper, who today is now a Christian, you remember he had an old song back in the 70s, you know. School's out for summer. And and you, now I'm sorry that I just put that song in some of you old rock heads, heads, you know, and you're going to be singing it for the rest of the day. But uh, I'm sorry, I'll get it out of your head. It's a small world after all. Now that one is a better one to have in your head. So but summer when summer comes it's a great time when summer ends he just when I ask, hey who's going back to school you know tomorrow Josh and John are on that, because that's what you feel like uh, uh, summer's ended summer's ended but if we look at it spiritually summer's going to end one day the harvest the time of harvest is going to be it's going to be over you're either going to be in heaven or you're not going to be in heaven. If you're in heaven, you're not going to be able to evangelize ever anymore. If you're not in heaven, you're not going to be able to evangelize either. Well, you can, but it's not going to do you any good. The thing is, is that to be busy about our Father's business today, to live our lives for Christ today, to live for the audience of one today, while we still have time, while we our harvest while we're in the midst of our harvest while we're in the midst of our spiritual summer if you will this is a joyous time not a laborious time not a hard time it's a time where we have the joy of seeing a soul that was once lost who can be saved it's an opportunity for us to go out and, and enjoy a harvest. Maybe plant some seeds. Maybe water some seeds. Maybe harvest some seeds. We don't know. The idea is is to go out and be who God has called us to be, and that will lead us into Second Corinthians chapter eleven. I, I just felt like I wanted to, I needed to talk about the summer ending harvest. This past summer has ended, and we are not saved. That's going to be a sad, sad day for a lot of souls it's going to be a sad day a sad day uh, especially for there's a lot of people that are going to be missing out on heaven and yet they grew up in church or yet they, they they spent a lot of their life in church but it was nothing more than just a have to go or a club setting I like the people there and so I'm going to go there but there never was a true relationship with Christ and that those, I think, are going to be the most grievous, lost people, I, I, because, my goodness, I did this I lived my whole life, and I didn't know the Lord. I didn't know the Lord. And now and now I'm lost. And now there's, there's no opportunity. There's no, there's no, okay, hey, give me a do-over. God gave you many do-overs in this life. And there comes a time where your do-overs are going to run out. Every one of us, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Guess what? When you die, your next step is the judgment. You're going to either come before the Lord as your Savior or you're going to come before the Lord as your judge. And if you don't have a relationship with him, he's going to be your judge. He's to be your judge. And so right now, the harvest time is, is, is ready. The season for salvation is today. Every year, I love the June time. Late May to June into July, even a little bit into August. Yesterday was a sad day for me because I went into um, Sam's Club. And there were no more cherries. How many of you guys like cherries? I absolutely adore fresh cherries. When I go to California, it's usually the conferences used to be right in the first week of June, and that was when cherry season would open. And what we would do is my son and I and wife and and my family out there, we'd all go to a, a cherry picking orchard up in Cherry Valley, you know, and and we'd go there and you'd spend like eight ten bucks or something like that to get in. And then you just, they give you a, a can, an old Folger's rusted old coffee can with a, a rope on it that, that, you know, it's very, very crude looking. But you take that rope and you stick it over your neck and you carry around this coffee can and you go to all the trees. And you get, you pay for what you take out, but you can eat as much as you like while you're in there. And so we have cherry spitting contests, you know, and we spit at each other the cherry seeds. And you walk out of there with all these little blood marks all over you. you know. But they have Rainier cherries in there, which are just like to die for, you know. And, and they have the bings and all. I mean, there's like 15 different kinds of cherries. And you just go to these cherry trees and it's just, they're almost red. Because even though the leaves are green, there's so many cherries. just all, And you just eat and eat until where you're sick. You're just sick. I love cherry season. I don't like it when cherry season goes out. I love it when the first batch of cherries come in. I love it. I enjoy it. Man, we've eaten a lot of cherries this season. But Sam's doesn't have them anymore. And now I'm having to start to hit the fruit stands to see, you know, get the last bit. But there's coming a day where the cherries are going to stop until next season. The thing is, is that the spiritual season we're in right now, it's cherry season, gang. It's a good time to go and, and share our faith with people. Today is the day of salvation. Don't harden your heart as in the days of the rebellion. And that's what, you know, talking about in the days, back in the days where, where God was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and trying to take them into the promised land. But they were, they were stiff-necked. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to do it His way. They were fearful. Oh man, the people in the land are giants even though the, the land is flowing with milk and honey, and that picture is that that land had awesome, you know, produce. The land had fertile ground that the cows would, would eat and, and just produce awesome milk, you know, and the goats. And, and the land would produce such awesome fruit. Which, by the way, even to this very day, I have not had better fruit than the times that I've been in Israel. It is that whatever you think a strawberry is supposed to taste like, that's what it tastes like there. Whatever you think a, an orange should taste like, that's what it tastes like there. I mean, this is some of the most fabulous uh, you know, fruits and vegetables over there. It's fertile. And God says, that's where I'm taking you, into this land. Okay, hey, we're going to go. Oh, wait a minute, but there's giants in the land. There's some effort that might come on our part. Ah, I don't want to do that. I want to go the easy route. I want to do it. I want to do it not the way that you want to do it. I want to do it a different way, God. You see, when we look back at the children of Israel coming out of the Egypt, we think that they're buffoons. Because why didn't you just trust the Lord when in all actuality, if we just look fast forward and look at to ourselves here in 2017 we're missing the promised land a lot of us because we don't want to do it God's way we only want to do it our way and we'll find ourselves at times wandering in a desert for 40 years because you just don't get it we just don't get it I just don't get it and and it's only when I trust the Lord would I become the Joshua or Caleb that says wait a minute these are giants but our God is the giant, you know. I mean, who is bigger than our God? I love Joshua's, you know, or Caleb's message to the to you know Moses and all the people. Guys, these guys are our cake. These giants are our cake. Now, that's kind of a crude way, you know. Of you know, he was trying to be hip. Not really. I mean, but 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 kind of our term today, we'd go, hey man, that's a piece of cake. That's a piece of cake. He just said it a different way. You know, when you hear somebody, you know, kind of say a slang thing in a different language, you kind of go, I know what you're saying, but that didn't totally translate that way. Well, that's what he's saying. These guys are our cake. This is a piece of cake. Let's go up and take it. This is the land that God's given. To- the Grapes are bigger than our heads. You know, I, I don't know. that. That's, I don't know. I don't know what that meant. Maybe the grapes were bigger than their heads. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that God had a plan for them. And God had a promise. A promise of plentious land. A a, a life. lived for him in this place. And here's the thing. They missed it. Because they wanted to do it a different way. I don't know who this is speaking to here today. But here's the thing. Don't miss your promised land. Don't miss the promised land that God has for you. Ultimately, the promised land is heaven. That's it. But don't miss heaven because the things here on this earth either scare you or, when I say scare, here's the thing, the people in the world are your giants maybe. I'm afraid that if I become too religious, people are going to, what, mock me? I'm not going to be, you know, people are, you know, all the giants maybe are my friends. They don't want me to be you know, Christian, a Christian. They don't want me to be crazy for Christ, you know. They don't want me to be that. So I'm not going to be that because I'm more interested in what they think than what God thinks. Those are your giants. If anything is holding you, whatever is holding you back for living for the Lord, whether it be fear of what someone says, which typically is usually what it is, is is the fear of what others will think. That's your giant. How do you slay giants? We understand through David, you just go right at them, don't you? In the strength and the power of the Lord, that's how you that's how you slay your giants. But don't miss out on the promised land because you're afraid of the giants. Don't miss out on the promised land because you're afraid of the giants. It would be sad. Today's the harvest. Today's cherry season, gang. But cherry season's ending. There isn't going to be another cherry season, spiritually. This is your cherry season. Don't miss out on the best that God has for you. Jeremiah, he was trying to say that to the children of Israel. And they didn't want to listen to what he had to say. The whole, All of the people were going, yeah, we don't want to listen to that young buck. Who does he think he is? Come on. We have other guys that are seasoned, guys that have gone to school, guys that memorize scripture far more than he has. They're more impressive. They're more educated. They're, they have better clothes on. They have you know clothes that would represent that they really know what they're talking about. And so we're going to listen to them and not Jeremiah. Well, mind you, you've heard me say this before a friend of mine that I communicate with every week, you know, Bob Davis, communicated with him today. And, uh, praise the Lord, I shared with you last week that they were thinking that he had a tumor in his in his brain and he had an MRI and uh, he didn't really want that word to get out. He didn't want to freak out his congregation and what have you. He's got a fairly large congregation in Idaho and uh, he didn't want to freak a bunch of people out. He had just... A like, kind of group of guys praying for him and, and went back in, found out there's no growth in there. There's nothing in there. We don't know what happened, but it's not there anymore. So you, you still have some hearing issues, obviously, but we're going to just chalk that up to the years that you served as a cop, you know, and all the guns that you shot, and the years that you were in a rock and roll band. You know, the, your ears are shot because of that, but you have no tumor. You have a brain, though. They did say that he had a brain. He told me that was a good thing. He said it was small, but but here's here's the thing. Um, the uh, uh kind of, I made a joke. I tried to make a joke, which just threw me off. Quit trying to make jokes, Don. Um, the point that I'm making with you guys is this. Listen. I... I Um, where was I going with that? My goodness. This is what happens when you get old kids. <laughs> you contact Bob every week. Say that again. You contact Bob every week. I I, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Well, he, he does. He constantly encourages me. And encourages his own congregation also that hey time is running out time is running out on our lives whether by age or whether by you know world cataclysmic events you know uh, you know with everything that's going on right now you know especially you know we're not promised the next day guys let's live for the Lord the idea that you know, I'm kind of segueing, trying to segue you know, Jeremiah into our study today because it means so much. But here's the thing. Um, and I'm going to kind of start over because it's going to bring me back to my, my train of thought. But Jeremiah, nobody wanted to listen to him. They wanted what the popular people, the people who had the great suits on or the people who had the great you know, garments on those who had studied and, and, and had, had you know, more degrees you know, and, and on their walls or, or people that were respected in the community. And so when Jeremiah would come in and he'd preach that, hey guys, this is what the Lord is saying, they just disregarded what Jeremiah said. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing we can sometimes cast aside the still small voice of the truth of the word for the sake of those who seem to be something. Because a lot of people are listening to him. The largest church in America, and I use the word church very, very loosely, is a church in Texas where it's led by a guy who's a pastor, which I, again, use the term lightly. Is is not is not preaching the full counsel of the word of God, and and the thing is is that it becomes very damaging. It becomes damaging to the souls that are sitting there listening to him. I, I pity the man. The Bible tells us, "Hey, let not many of you become teachers, lest you incur a stricter judgment." And here's the thing: this guy's going to have to answer for every for the millions of people that have listened to this guy and believe that they're saved because this guy says that they're saved instead of looking into the word of God and understanding it for what it really says. Dealing, facing their sin straight up. Dealing with their sin before a holy God. Understanding the blood of Jesus Christ and the radical death of God on the... on. Uh, God in human flesh on a very real cross. Not recognizing those things and missing out on eternity. But wait a minute, I was a part of the largest church in America. God, do you know how big that church was? Do you know how many awesome songs we sang? Do you know how many times we went? Here's the thing, it's not about that. What does the word say? What does the word say? And so people were disregarding what Jeremiah said. Segwaying into our Second Corinthians chapter 11 passage, it's the same exact thing. It's, it's happened all the way back in the Old Testament. It's happened in the New Testament. And to, gang, I just... The idea is, it happened to Jeremiah. It happened to Paul. Do you think that you're exempt from something like that? Don't ever get discouraged if you're living for God. And you're living according to His word. If not, a lot of people follow you. Because... That's just biblical economics. I'm sorry to say that. Jesus says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there are who go that way, but narrow is the gate that leads to life, and very few there are who go that way. Why is wide the gate? Because wide is the popular view. Wide is the, wide is the gate that is the path of least resistance. Wide is the gate that doesn't cause me to come to grips with my sin before a holy God. Wide is the gate that doesn't cause me to have to recognize that I have issues and that I've got to come before God and say, you know what, Lord, this is not right before you. I need to change. God, help me change. Help me to be the man. Help me to be the woman, if you're a woman, that you've called me to be. Because, Lord, I'm lost without you. My life is here for you. My life is about you. Everything that I am has been surrendered to you, and so, Lord, do with me as you will. If you have my life in pain, well, then, Lord, let me glorify you in it. If you have my life in ease, then, Lord, let me glorify you in it. If my life is in wealth, Then, Lord, let me glorify you in it. If my life is in poverty, then, Lord, let my life be a glory to you. Because here's the thing. My life is no longer about me. It's about you. God, what can I do? Don't ever look around for the approval of those around you. Look for the approval of the Lord. Because it's easy to fall into the trap that you just do what everybody else does. And I'm saying even in this church. I'm saying even in this church. Don't do something simply because I think you need to do it. Do it because you know that the Word of God's called you to do it. You get into the Word. You make sure that what it is that I'm saying is correct. If I'm not saying something correct, then you need to stop listening to me. You need to stop coming. You need to, or you need to bring this to my attention and and let me and you discuss this. And if you're not satisfied with what, how it is that I see it, and 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 what have you? We can have a dialogue on it. And man, if we can't come to a you know a, a, an understanding that hey, this is the truth, and, and and you think that I'm teaching heresy, you need to go. Shame on you if you stay. But if I'm teaching truth, shame on you if you take off because you don't like the truth. Here here's the thing. That's exactly what's going on with with Paul. Paul has a church that he loves very, very much. But other people have come in. And, and, And they look the part. They say that they're the part. They show their degrees. They show their paperwork. They show their documentation that they're something. They list themselves as super apostles. They charged the church in order for them to come. And Paul says, listen, that's not me. That's not who I am. These guys have gone and taken all of the speech classes and they are polished. These guys have done, you know, they wear really, really nice designer clothes. So they look the part. They've studied to be the part. They've, they've done all the external things to draw people's attention to them, but the one thing that they don't have is the word-for-word word adherence to God's Word. Adherence to, to what God desires. And what they're doing is they're leading you down roads that are, are not good roads. Oh, Paul the Corinthian church would say, you're small and your voice is squeaky. You don't look very good and you, you, you don't really... And, and think about this. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. They said, he's not a very good speaker. <laughs> that amazes me. The Apostle Paul wasn't a good speaker. People were casting off the Apostle Paul to us, that seems ludicrous. I mean, well, to me, it seems very ludicrous. You're going to cast off the Apostle Paul for who? You know? Some guy that looks apart, says that he's the part. Paul says, listen, here, here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. You know that I don't charge you anything. I'm not, not taken any money from you. I've not asked you to support me. I'm being supported from other churches. You, you remember what he said there? He said... Uh, he says uh, in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians, Hey, I robbed other churches. And you no, know, it's not meaning that he went in there at night and stole out of their, you know, deposit boxes, you know, their their safes. That's not what he's saying. saying, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. The idea is, is that I had other churches that were helping me and supporting me so that I could come to you so that I, I know the issue that you guys have. The issue that you guys have is that you are blown away at the appearance of a man. You're caught up in the appearance of an individual. Now again, remember, this place is a place of decadence. Corinth, remember, we've talked about it as much like it's Las Vegas. You know, if you have just some run down, you know, a casino in there, not a lot of people are going to go to that casino. If you've got a guy that's running the casino and he looks all run down, you probably aren't going to go to that casino. Well, hopefully you're not going to the casino, but the point is, is that it, listen, you go and and you expect successful looking individual. A real quick story: Mike McIntosh, who's a Calvary Chapel pastor out in San Diego, Horizon Christian Fellowship. Don McClure, who is heads up the Calvary Chapel uh, uh, Association, and uh, he's kind of like the he's he kind of is not over everybody but he's kind of like the spokesperson for the association and uh i think it might be jeff johnson who is the calvary chapel pastor in downey they were in las vegas for a a uh, conference at the calvary chapel las vegas john michael's old church and they found themselves going downtown and eating one time and 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 as they were down there, they were meeting, or, or they were at one of the hotels or something like that for the conference. I don't remember how that all happened, but Mike McIntosh telling this story many, many years ago, he says, we found ourselves in a conversation of four people, myself and and uh, Don McClure and Jeff Johnson, I think, and, and Steve Wynn, who happened to be the owner of many of the casinos out there and very, very well known. I mean, it's like he owns the Luxor or something like that, you know, the 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 casino out there. And they're sitting there and they're having a conversation. And Steve, he asked Mike, he goes, you guys are very engaging. A- and man, I'll tell you, you guys are, I, I really have enjoyed our conversation. Um, hey, what do you do for a living? Are you, are you like a salesman or something like that? And Mike said, kind of. He's going, I don't want to blow this and tell him I'm a pastor because he's going to run away. I, we, I've been, we've been talking to him about the Lord. We've been kind of talking to him about God. And, and here's the thing. Steve goes, no, no, I mean, what do you sell? And he goes, well, I don't sell it, but I, I, talk, I talk about the Lord. And I present the Lord in such a way that people would respond and, and, and buy into Christ. And, and, and give their hearts to the Lord. He goes, so are you like a priest or something? He goes, well, yeah, I'm a pastor. You're a pastor? Interesting. A- and what do you do, Don? Well, I'm a pastor also. And what do you do, Jeff? I'm, I'm a pastor also. And, and what Steve Wynn said rock Mike Mike Mcintosh he goes how far has god had how far did god have to go to reach me to send three pastors to reach me how far away from god am i that he had to send you guys into my casino or you guys into my hotel you know there was more to the conversation but here's the thing he looked the part. I guarantee he was dressed to the nines. I guarantee you that if he were to say, hey, people would and jump to his attention. If Mike would say the same thing, hey, everybody go, hey, knock it off. Shut up. I'm playing my game. You know, Nobody's going to pay attention to Mike. Everybody's going to pay attention to Steve. Success is what we love. Success is what the Corinthians loved. They loved the look. They loved the eloquence of the speech. They loved what these guys were presenting because it, it wasn't as harsh as Paul. I mean, they're not asking us to do anything really. Oh, they're not really telling us we have to give up anything in our life, man. We can, we can continue to live in the way that we want to live and still go to heaven at the end of the day. They're, they're doing this. And Paul says, these guys are, are there to fleece you, is what they're doing. In fact, here's, here's, here's what, uh, here's what I'm doing. I'm not taking any wages from you. I'm actually being supported by other churches because I want to show you, I want to differentiate myself from those guys because here's the thing. You stop paying them for a second. You stop paying them their wages. You stop paying them to come in and tell you how you're supposed to live. And I will tell you, the next week, they're going to take the next camel caravan out of here. They're going to be gone. They're here to get what you have. They're not here to give you what you don't have. And that's Christ. He says in verse 9, When I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what was lacking to me, the brethren who came from Macedonia, they're the ones who gave it to me, not you guys. And in everything, I kept myself from being a burdensome to you, And so I will still continue to keep myself from being a burden to you. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. What he's saying is, nobody's going to make me take anything from you guys because I know that this is an issue to you. And I know that this is a hang-up to you. You think that somebody needs to be paid in order for their word to be validated to you. He says, why am I not taking any money? Because I don't love you? Paul, if you you really loved us, you'd charge us for what you're giving us. Then we might listen to you. That's what Paul's saying. Does that make any sense? And Paul's trying to spell it out in such a way that these guys are fleecing you. They're fleecing you. They're not even of the Lord. Come on. And it's ticking me off that that they're swaying you away from the Lord. But don't, don't look at me and not see love in my heart to you. Why am I not charging? Because I don't love you? Are you kidding me? God knows how much I love you. But what I do, I will con- also continue to do that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which they boast. What he's saying is, I'm going to continue to not take any money from you. And I'm, what I'm saying... I'm challenging those guys to do the same thing that I'm doing. And I'm going to tell you that within a week, they're all going to be gone. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul's inferring here. You stop paying them, they're going to be gone. But I will not leave. I haven't been paid a dime from you yet. And yet I will continue to come back. For these guys... That are coming to you. They're false apostles. They're deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. How easy it is to have a really, really nice suit on and say words like Jesus or God or church or family. You see, Satan's not afraid of those words, he'll use those words. He knows Scripture just like you do and even far better. And he will use Scripture to confuse you to try to get you to stumble over the rest of Scripture. He did it with Jesus. If he did it with Jesus, don't think he isn't going to do it with you. He's going to use the word to try to confound you to make you go, well, you know what? You're right. You know, I I became all things to all men that I might win something. That's what Paul says. So you can too. I mean, come on. What's wrong with being a John? What's wrong with going to find out a prostitute? <laughs> it's not really anything. You you have nothing. I mean, you, you really have no emotional attachment. It's only for a need that God placed in you. I mean, didn't God place that in you? God place that in you. I mean, wait, it, it, here's the thing. You can't blame, God can't blame you for something that he put in you, right? This is how Satan will work. And I'm using a very out there illustration, but it's like that with everything. Satan was... Did not did God give you that kind of an urge? Yeah. Did he give you the money? Yeah. You don't have any emotional attachment, right? Well, no. I mean, you're not really married to her. Didn't you also see that there were some other guys back in the Old Testament that did that? God still loved them, right? Well, yeah. Go for it. You know what? You're right. Listen, if you ever get in a conversation more than a sentence long with Satan, you're going to lose. Get out of that conversation. Get out of it quick. Jesus, Satan would come to him. Aren't you hungry? Don't you know that if you're really the Messiah, I mean, here's what the, doesn't the Bible say that you can actually command these breads to turn to stone? And they, be these the stones, I just said that backwards. <laughs> that you could command these, these stones to become bread? <laughs> Eat it. You can do it. Now, for you and I, that might be a confusing thing because we're 40 days out of having a morsel of food in our mouth and we're hungry and we look at this stone and we go, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that verse. Bread. Cheesy top. (laughs) With some pepperoni inside or something, you know. Boom. (sighs) And you start munching down on it. But Jesus goes... I'm in a conversation with Satan. And Satan is the father of lies. So how can Satan be the father of lies? And every word that comes out of Satan's mouth is a lie if he's bringing forth scripture. Because the reason that Satan brings forth scripture is to deceive you into the living the lie that he wants you to live so that you would be an offense before God. Eat this bread. <laughs> I know that they look like rocks, but you can turn them. Turn it. You know how good that would taste right now? I mean, if you're really the Messiah, you can really make that hot now, right now. Crunchy outside, soft inside. It'd be deli- you know, delicacy. Eat it. Hey, uh, have you never read... What the word of God says, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Oh, all right, you got me on that one. All right, let's do another one. And so Satan will do that with you. And that's what's what's happening here. These guys aren't strong enough to withstand the the deceitfulness of, of the enemy. And these guys are coming out. And they're, they're false apostles, but they're claiming themselves to be apostles. They're dressing the part, they're looking the part, they're charging the churches to go in and give these awesome messages of which they are very eloquent in speech. And Paul says, these guys are transforming themselves even into angels of light, if you will. These guys are transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Paul says it in Galatians chapter 1, doesn't he? In verse 5 and in verse 8, he says, listen... Galatian church, Galatians, this isn't Corinth, but he's talking now to another region. He says, Galatians, listen, if we or even an angel of light, even if I lose my mind and I come back to you and I preach to you any other gospel than what I am preaching to you right now, or even better, if an angel of light comes in and preaches a different gospel than what you have received, let him, me, that anyone be a curse. Let them be damned to the lowest hell because they're deceiving you and they're trying to sway you away from the Lord. Angels of light, oh, it can't be be wrong because look how beautiful they are. It can't be wrong, look how successful they are. They can't be wrong because look, they're using the Bible. You better know your word. That's why I'm encouraging you to stay in the word and get in the word and don't ever get out of the word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Why? Because when you handle the real thing, you'll understand when the counterfeit words come along. These false apostles, they're deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, Paul says, For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of life. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. they got to hurry. I say again, let no one think me a fool, if otherwise at least receive me as a fool, that I may also boast a little bit. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord. He says, okay, now here, what I'm about to say, don't blame God for what I'm about to do right now, okay? But I feel compelled to come in here and show you my credentials. Because you're so caught up in credentials, and, and, and Paul's looking as, at, at this as an occasion to say, I'm going to show you the, the, the difference between the credentials of them and the credentials that God has given to me. All right? Here's what I'm going to give you their credentials. I'm going to talk about credentials. But don't blame God, okay? When I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh. I'm also going to boast. Because here's the thing. Paul is saying, I'm going to take this issue that you're struggling with. I'm going to tell you that they're boasting in all their lists of all of their accomplishments to make them, uh, uh, to validate their word to you. I'm going to take those same things over here and, and, and see which ones are more, valid, are more valid. Which credentials would you rather listen to? You put up with fools, verse 19, for you put up with fools gladly since you yourself are wise. Now, by the way, if you don't think that there's sarcasm in Scripture, that's one of those verses. Okay? Paul goes, oh, you guys put up with fools gladly. Well, since you guys are wise. Are they wise? No, they're not wise. And he's pointing it out. You're not wise in doing this. For you put up with it. If one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. It used to be back in the day. You remember back growing up, where where uh, there was a time back. Well, if you're younger in here, you aren't going to understand this because you are coddled in classes. But it, when I grew up, and even worse than. You know, the older you get, the worse it was in classes. You know, I've had a time where I've had to stick my hands out on a desk and the teacher to come by with their their ruler and whack and hit my hands because I couldn't keep my hands to myself. What would happen to that teacher today? We would see them in about 25 years, right? Because they'd be thrown into prison. You know, there were... We we had a uh, uh, back in seventh grade. One of my teachers was uh, Mr. Arizona. Uh, He was a former Mr. Arizona. His name was Wally Powell, and he reminded me a lot of like uh, Mike Tyson because this dude was cut still, even to this day. I mean, even to that day, he was cut. He was strong. His muscles were huge. You know, as a bodybuilder would. And and you look at him, and he was just. He looked like. He reminded me, you remember, you know the face of of the the sheriff in Jaws, Roy Scheider? That's kind of what his face looked like. So he's kind of a handsome guy, I guess, you know. But he just, he walked like this because he couldn't put his hands, he couldn't, I don't even know how he put his belt on because his arms were out like this all the time. And you'd look at him and if you never heard him, you'd go, this guy is just one of the meanest dudes you've ever seen in your life. But then when he opened his mouth, you'd go, okay, this doesn't match. So he talked like this. He had a really, kind of a very fine voice like this. And and he he said, Class, my name is Mr. Powell. I would expect you to have call me Mr. Powell. And I want to tell you something. And he went over and he grabbed a, a desk. And it, you remember the desk? I uh, They may still have them, but the chair had the desk part that came out and it had the, the book case on the side, you know, the little place over there. He grabbed a kid, a small kid. He grabbed a small kid in one of those desks. He put his hand on the kid's shoulder and he grabbed the he grabbed the the, the leg of a chair with the, with a kid in it. And he goes, "Now, kids, what I want you to know." And he held this thing in his hand and he said, "This I can't even do it with a chair, an empty chair." <laughs> he held that desk chair up and he took his hand off the kid and he goes. Right here is the tabletop. This is where your hands and, and, and your homework goes. Over here is the side where you put your books. If your hands are anywhere else than this, and if your books are anywhere else than that, or on this tabletop, we're going to have problems. Do we understand? And he set the kid back down. We, I didn't mess with that guy. He was the, I was the quietest guy in his class. He, he had a control of his class. There was one guy that got into a fight, and he grabbed him and choked him choked him I mean he looked redder than Steve's shirt and you're going he's going to he's going to he's going to pass this guy out that's just how it happened back in that day today you don't touch anything you don't touch a kid you don't speak harsh to a kid you don't do anything Paul's going here's the thing about you guys if if, a, if, if one of these guys come in and, and you're paying them handsomely if they don't like what you're doing they can come over and go wham and slap I, how would John like it if I came over here and go John wham you heretic come on you know not that I would call John a heretic or slap him or do any of that but he says you guys well receive that stuff because that's what they're doing you, you receive it. You think that that's the way it should be. And you know what? Sometimes we kind of feel that way too, huh? We kind of feel good after you get beat down in a message. I hope that I don't beat people down in message. I, I, I know that I can be borderline on that and I don't want to be. I, I, I'm passionate about wanting to be truth, to teach truth in the Word and let you deal with it. Let you go home and chew on it. Chew that cud Meditate upon that thing and go and check it yourself. But I don't want to give you, you know, strained, you know, uh, substance. I want to give you everything that I've got. And this is Paul. He says, These guys, you're welcoming them even if they're hitting you. And, and then he goes in and he contrasts himself in verse 21. He goes, To our shame, I say, We're too weak for that. You're mad at us because I'm not slapping you in the face. And I'm not charging you. Are you serious? But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I'm more bold. I'm more bold. I am also bold. What Paul does is he says, and I'm going to just very quickly say this. Are they Hebrews? So am I. So just in his inference here is that these are Hebrews that are coming in here. These are Jews that are coming in here, religious Jews that are coming in here and and causing this, this problem there in the church. Are they Israelites? Yes, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Yep, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to speak as a fool. I am more. Why? Because he's saying these guys are false apostles. I actually am following the Lord. These guys aren't following the Lord because that's not what Jesus would do. And I'm going to give my validation, Paul says, in why I say that I think I am more. Because in labors, far more abundant than these guys. These guys won't work to lift a finger to come and teach you. Their teaching is coming there and speaking and charging exorbitant fees, slapping you, beating you down, hammering you but making you feel good all the while and charging you all for it and here's the thing I don't do that to you these guys don't lift a finger to do anything and yet you're well receiving them in stripes above measure means he's been whipped many times he's got the scars all over his body from being whipped because he just was simply preaching the gospel In prisons, more frequently, these guys wouldn't last a day in prison, but I've been in prison many times. In deaths, often. I've been so near to death so many times. In fact, I actually actually died once, (laughs) I think. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So I I was whipped with a cat of nine tails 195 times. I've taken 195 lashes. 39, 40 stripes minus 1 times 5 is 195. 195 lashes simply for preaching the gospel. I wonder if they have any scars. Three times I was beaten with rods. Okay, if 195 you know slashes or or, or whips by the by the uh, the Jews wasn't enough, I've been beaten with rods also. Once I was stoned in biblical days. He was stoned with rocks, beaten. I believe that that was where he was in death often. I think that at that time. Uh, he he died. I think that, and we'll get into it next next week, um, kind of near-death experiences. I want to talk a little bit about that next week. Come on back. I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And in fact, in one of those shipwrecks, a night and a day, I've been in the deep. Now that freaks me out. Have any of you ever thought about that before? I think some of the scariest things that I, I could think of in my life is that I've always wanted to go out on a boat and, and go out in the, you know, and sleep out overnight and what have you and, and do that. But the one thing that I've always been deathly afraid of is if that boat went down and I am treading water or I'm holding on to something. Because my eyesight is something that's very important to me. And if I can't see what's down from this low down, and I know that there are big things down there that that are hungry. That I, I'm, I am, you know, I'd be okay if they don't, you know, if if, you know, my pee would scare them away because I'm going to be going a lot. I'm going to be afraid. I can't hand. I mean, and now being pitch dark out there, you're looking up in the sky and you're going, man, this sky looks a whole lot different from when I'm on the land and I'm out, you know, in a very pleasant, you know, forest area where I'm looking up and I've got a tent and, you know, a, a, you know, a, a fireplace behind me. But right now I have big fish under me and I have nothing other than this thing that I'm floating with and I am freaked out. Now, all night long, he, sl- he was out in the deep, all night long. In journeys often, in perils of water, such as he just said, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. He was constantly being beaten. He was constantly being sought after. You remember his own countrymen went to go find him and tried to, right after he got saved, he had to be lowered down a basket, you know, up in Damascus outside of the wall. You know, here's grandiose Paul. Here's a guy that everybody loves, Paul the Apostle. And he had to actually be lowered down over a wall because his own countrymen were coming after him to kill him. Because he was preaching the gospel, I've been in perils of the Gentiles and in perils of the city. He, he, he's saying there's not really a place that I've ever been that I haven't been in peril. My my countrymen wanted to kill me. The Gentiles wanted to kill me. You know, the cities that I've gone into, they've wanted to kill me. In the in the wilderness, you know, I've I've had perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Be now, now, if that wasn't enough, Paul goes on and he... He emphasizes, I think, the thing that is the most important thing to him right now. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. What that does to me is that shares that Paul has gladly received all of this brutalization upon his body. And the thing that he does it for is his love for the church. I want to see them saved. I want to see them grow, and one day I want to see them presented to the Lord, holy and pleasing, and chaste. I I I will stay up all night praying for you. Paul is talking about. I'm contrasting myself with these guys. I'm sorry that I have to foolishly go and do this, but I want you to see what these guys are for who they are. Paul says, I care about you. I care about you deeply. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who's made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation. Paul says, I can have my feelings hurt too, you know. I can, I can, get, I can, I can be made to stumble if I must boast, I'm going to boast in the things which concern my infirmities or my weaknesses. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who is blessed forever, he knows I'm not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Erastus the king, or Eratus the King, was guarding the city of the Damascus with a garrison desiring to apprehend me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall, and I escaped from his hands. Are you saying that? You don't want to listen to me? That I've endured all of this stuff simply for the churches and because I'm not charging you, because I'm not whipping you, you're saying you don't want to listen to me? These guys have done absolutely nothing for you except beat you, put hard labors upon you, and take your money and you're willingly listening to them. Gang, always be wary of those who pour into you spiritually. Always be wary. When I say be wary, I mean be prepared. Know who they are. Know what they are. Know what they're about. Because you got charlatans out there. I remember there's a guy in California. His name was Gene Scott. I don't even know if he's still on TV. He'd wear fedoras, you know, really nice, costly fedoras, smoking a cigar. On TV, he was on Christian TV. He'd open the Bible every once in a while if he needed to. Most of the time, he was just sitting there on TV, telling you to give money to his ministry. I, I, I even to the point where he would cuss at the people. You know, you guys, uh, Sacramento you aren't giving what you're supposed to give. You need to give more. We're going to go off the air. Now, dang it. You need to get to your checkbooks right now and you need to, right now, get the blank over to your checkbook and get get it in a mail and put it in so we don't go off the air. What are you going to do without me? What are you going to do without this? (laughs) The thing is, the guy stayed on the air for years because people were... Sending him money. They thought that's what they needed to hear. They thought that, that's, that they were blessing God from listening to a, an absolute fool, an absolute idiot, preaching the gospel, which he didn't. He just was a very wealthy man on the backs of a lot of people like my grandmother. There is a special place that God has for get men like that, I believe. And I don't think it's going to be in heaven. It angers me when I see that. I picked up my grandmother's Bible upon her death. I did her funeral. I opened her Bible, and I looked at it. And I I I went to the front pages. I went into the blank pages, and I don't know what you have in your blank pages, you know, but as I got into her blank pages. I have little things in mind that have impacted me over the years, but in hers was a date, a ministry, and the amount of money she spent that she gave. A lot of her money was going to a lot of these charlatans that were on TV constantly. It has infuriated. I, my blood boiled. I wanted to reach through the TV every single time I saw one of those guys on TV and rip their throats out. They're not real. They're not true. And they're fleecing people. Don't be fleeced. Don't be fleeced. Know from who you receive. Know, know what it is that people are preaching. Do they play around with the gospel? Do they play around with the word of God? If they do, flee. Just go. Just go. Oh, but they've been in. Do you know how many degrees they have? Just go. Degrees mean nothing. Degrees mean nothing. Paul didn't have a degree. Peter didn't have a degree. James, John, none of the disciples had a degree. They didn't have a degree. A degree does not make you, does not validate your ability. It doesn't. There's a lot of teachers in schools, in colleges, that are there, that are not good teachers. They're horrible. Absolutely horrible. But because they've done the education, and our education system says, well, because you've done these things, and you've met all these things, then, well, that has qualified you to do what you're doing. And we've got some very, very, very bad people in there that are teaching our kids horrible things. But... We've got to be careful. Be careful. Who is it that you're listening to? Who is it that you're willing to bend your ear to? Who is it that you're willing to receive from? Father, thank you so much for today. I pray, Lord, that you have thrown that caution flag out for all of us, that we would open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up our hearts, give us wisdom, give us discernment, help us to know what word is from you and what word is not from you. Not simply because somebody throws a Bible verse out there to validate an erroneous statement that they're making. But God, help us to know the counterfeit from the real deal. We just want what you want. At least I pray that that's what we want in this room. I can't convince myself that everybody in this room wants that. I hope, I wish. That's my prayer. I pray, Lord, that we all would be more concerned about what you think and what you say and what your wisdom is than what this world's wisdom is. Bless these precious saints, Lord, and I've taken so much extra time today. Pray, Lord, that you'd bless them uh, through the rest of this week. Make them, help them to become mighty warriors for you. Help them, Lord, to be willing to discern what is good and what is bad. Help them to understand how to filter that which is good from that which is bad. And help them to allow the good to change them. To change us. All of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.